What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Blazers. I am Mike Richmond, your Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard. The Blazers just took down the LA Clippers, and we will get to that. They moved into a virtual tie for fourth place in the West, and we'll get to that too. We'll talk about the NBA standings. But there is news today, y'all. There's news in Blazerland. There are big headlines in Blazerland. Thanks to your friend and mine, Jason Quick of The Athletic, who wrote a wonderful story titled Mending Fences, Damian Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge Find a Connection on the Precipice of a Blazers Milestone. Uh, The Blazers Milestone is Damian Lillard passing LaMarcus Aldridge on the all-time scoring list to move into number two all-time. But listen, this story is about LaMarcus Aldridge openly saying that he would consider or has considered and has discussed returning to Portland to play with Damian Lillard. And perhaps, even more importantly, that he might even regret leaving in the first place. This is wild, y'all. This is, um... Just to be clear, I knew this story was coming. I'm friends with Jason. Uh, We recorded a podcast on Saturday night before he went on the road. We had talked at least a little bit about... um, him writing this story, uh, we're sort of rivals, I guess, in a, in a certain sense in the workplace, but um, we're also pals. So he told me that this story was coming, but I didn't know that he was going to get, at the time, he had not talked to LaMarcus Aldridge. I didn't know he was going to get as stronger quotes from LaMarcus as he did. And this isn't like a player hinting at wanting to return home. This is a player under contract with a Western Conference playoff team talking candidly and speaking directly with strong quotes about rejoining his former team who's also in the playoff race and ahead of him in the standings right now. This is the big quote. I I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to get an athletic subscription to read this story. You can get it. I think you can get a free trial. Be worth it. But you should get it anyways because Jason's a good writer and he'll get you this type of inside stuff on the Blazers in any case. But here's the quote from LaMarcus Aldridge. You never know, Aldridge said, but of course, if we had a better relationship, it changes the whole outlook of how it went. It's sad that not not talking like we do now could have changed history. But everything happens for a reason. He, Damian Lillard, has flourished in that role, and I keep telling him I'm going to come back and finish there. That's something him and I have talked about, playing together again. Uh, So... Jason lays this out really, really well, um, talking about how uh, Jabal Crawford, who's basically a politician at this point in his NBA career, and this, uh, my characterization of that has only, I only feel stronger now um, after reading this story. Basically, he was talking to Dame and asking, he's, Jamal's good friends with LaMarcus, and he's talking to Dame like, hey, do you guys, you know, are, do y'all talk? Are y'all friends? Dame said they don't really have a relationship like that. Uh, it's not super surprising. LaMarcus is pretty private, always has been. Um, hilariously said that uh, in his final exit interview with the team, when I was covering the team, that Alonzo G was one of his favorite teammates of all time, and Alonzo G had been a Blazer for like 20 games. So that gives you a, a sense of kind of the kind of guy LaMarcus is. But uh, so he... So Jamal connects them. Uh, it's kind of unclear how the conversation started, but basically Jamal said, 
to Lamarcus, you've got to talk, you've got to talk to this dude. He said, Dame, you've got to reach out to this dude. They connected. Uh, they started texting, ended up talking on the phone for 40 minutes, squashed the beef. I guess they didn't really have beef. I think that would be a mischaracterization. They just had this sort of weird air about them where Lamarcus left, him and Dame were never sort of like bros, and Dame is like so familial with the Blazers now that it's a little bit weird for him to have had this relationship. He kind of wanted this big brother relationship with Dame, with Lamarcus and it never happened. Um, and then, apparently they talked very real, they talked very honestly and openly, and they both shared this with Jason Quick, and listen, th this, this is a big deal just because two guys, both guys went on the record. This isn't sources reporting. There's so much sources BS in NBA reporting now, it drives me, it doesn't drive me that insane, I find it pretty interesting, but this isn't that. This isn't that. This is two dudes on the record talking with their names attached to the quotes. If this had come from another place, and I'm not going to name names, but if you know me, you know who I'm talking about, it would have said, sources say LaMarcus Aldridge is interested in this. <laughs> That's not what this is. This is two dudes saying that they want to play together very openly. Uh, and uh, Jason also had a, a fairly interesting anecdote, or has a couple anecdotes in here about how they got along really well at... Uh, all-Star Weekend, and they kind of were homies again after this conversation had uh, had had happened, this phone call had happened, so it, it, it kind of has opened up their whole relationship. Now, I might have spoiled a lot of this story. There's better quotes in there, so I, 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 mean, I know I encourage you guys to read The Athletic, and I still, um, still will give it a recommend. It's like $5 a month, and it's worth it, and if you're a sports fan, if you listen to this, I feel like it's worth it. This bad boy's free. Thanks for the download. But is it realistic that LaMarcus could be a Blazer? Like, is this a real thing that could happen? Sure. But I don't think it's going to happen like this summer. And I, I think it's important to realize uh, the timeline we're dealing with here. LaMarcus could be a free agent in the summer of 2020. Uh, Damian Lillard's not up till the summer of 2021, but if he makes an all-NBA team, he can sign a Supermax extension with the Blazers, get $200 million, lock in for, it's a, like a, it would add more money to years already on his contract. It, it would give him four more years beyond the following 2019-2020 season. Uh, when LaMarcus is a, so LaMarcus can be a free agent that summer. He has a partially guaranteed contract. It's worth $7 million is the partial guarantee of $24 million. So he could be, uh, he could be traded. He could be cut by the Spurs if they want to cut him loose. He'll be thirty-five years old then. And in that summer, the Blazers have only ninety-one million dollars on the books. Now they got a lot of money locked up in people: Dame, CJ, Nurk, uh, some of the young guys. Zach Collins will still be on the books then. Uh, so adding Lamarcus at his dollar figure would uh, would you know put them right back in the luxury tax area, which I don't know if that matters, but I guess it's important to realize that it would be the move you would assume because uh, Lamarcus made the All Star team this year. I just can't imagine that at 35 he's going to take like a vet minimum minimum type deal. I think he's still going to probably be one of the better players in the league, um, or at least get paid like one. And if he has a big drop-off, I think a homecoming becomes less appealing in any case. But this is a real thing. This could happen. Um, this isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, if you're looking for like a trade scenario, I know uh, I can report via sources that the, that the Spurs at 
one point a year ago, last at the trade deadline last season, so in 2018, uh, made a fairly strong push, or at least inquired heavily about Mo Harkless. Uh, I don't think they're doing a Mo Harkless for LaMarcus Aldridge swap. Again, LaMarcus Aldridge is an all-star. He's arguably their best player. I think he just straight up is their best player. They're a playoff team because of him. They're going to get DeJounte Murray back next year and then and, and be, you know, a sort of right back in the mix, a playoff level team. At some point, a rebuild is coming for the Spurs. And that partial guarantee might allow them to sort of make that rebuild. It might allow them to... It might allow the Blazers, if LaMarcus really says he wants to come back and wants to sign with them, to flip one of those expiring deals they have next year to the Spurs in order to acquire LaMarcus Aldridge and make it happen. But the important thing isn't sort of that this is a reality that could happen in the summer, in July of 2020, and that we should all look forward to that wait with bated breath for 14 months or whatever. Uh, the interesting part is that LaMarcus Aldridge said it openly. Damian Lillard said he invited him back. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in this podcast, so I'm going to edit it. He said, well, shoot, you want to come back? Like, what's up? Lillard said, that's where my head was at. Shoot, you ready to come back? Why not, bro? Why not indeed? It would be super fun. When we get back in the next segment, we'll talk about a game that happened tonight. But listen, that's why I spent 10 minutes on this. The most important thing that happened was not anything on the basketball court for the Blazers. Or the most interesting thing that happened wasn't anything on the basketball court for the Blazers. The most interesting thing that happened was absolutely a phone call that happened a few months ago. Before we get to segment two, I want to encourage you guys, when you get in your car, tell your smart speaker, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. This is the perfect podcast to listen on your commute. Imagine how much info you'll have about LaMarcus Aldridge potentially wanting to join the Blazers and the feasibility of it that I just explained when you get to work because you listen to this on your morning commute. Or perhaps, you know, as you're taking your kids to school, whatever it is. So get in your car, tell your smart speaker, play podcast locks on Blazers, improve your ride, improve your day. Okay, it wasn't all just uh, speculation about a former Blazer great. And I think that's what LaMarcus is. I think he's probably one of the five or so best players of all time, believe it or not. But it wasn't all just speculation about a Blazer great returning to Rip City. There was also a basketball game and a fairly important one tonight. The Blazers kicked off a three-game road trip at Staples Center. And honestly, they kind of spanked the Clippers. 125-104. Clippers were on the second night of a back-to-back. Um... And whether that showed up when the Blazers outscored them 40-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter, I guess up for debate. Uh, but this was a really good win for the Blazers. Uh, I think it's a good win for a couple reasons. This is a good win just because they won a game on the road. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good win. It's also a good win because Damian Lillard did not pass LaMarcus Aldridge for to move into second on the all-time scoring list. He needed 23 points tonight. He only had 20. Any game where Dame doesn't have to go gangbusters offensively and the Blazers win is a good win. It's an important win. He really won this game, uh, or dominated this game with his passing. He had 12 dimes. Um, He was really good. And the Blazers bench matched, I don't know if wits is the right word, but they they matched the production of the Clippers bench, the most productive bench in the NBA. 
The Clippers bench being the most productive bench in the NBA is a little bit misleading, in my opinion, because Montrez Harrell is their best center, and Lou Williams is probably their best guard. And, like, those two dudes just happen to come off the bench because Lou Williams will forever come off the bench because he's the greatest scoring bench player of all time, and, like, if you're good at a thing, you might as well be the best at it, and he's really committed to it. And I guess for a long time, being like a 6'1 dude who can only score and can't do anything else made him a bench player. But how the Clippers are currently constructed, he's probably their, he's probably their best guard. Like, it's definitely better than Landry Shamit. Nice player. Probably not a starting level guard in the league. He's definitely better than Garrett Temple. He's definitely better than Shea Jills Alexander, at least at this stage. Um, he's probably better than Pat Bev, but Pat Bev does a lot of fun things, so I don't know. Um, and, um, just straight up, Harold is better than Zubach, but he's fun off the bench. He provides a lot of energy. This was a good win because the Blazers bench, particularly, I thought Jake Lehman had a really nice stint. Seth Curry played pretty well. Uh, Evan Turner came back and kind of, uh, although his numbers didn't really show it, he, he looked a little more, um, looked a little healthier coming back from from missing some games with a knee injury and also um, for a personal reason. But uh, if you're looking at the way the rotation works, Evan Turner still only played 10 minutes tonight. I don't think, even if he was on a minutes restriction, there's no way he was limited just to 10. That was a coaching move. Uh, I think that's probably where he stays. But this game wasn't about the bench. I just had to get that out of the way early. And it wasn't really about Damian Lillard's passing either. To me... This game was about C.J. McCollum going absolutely bonkers after starting the game 0 for 7. Missed his first 7 shots, went 1 for 8 in the first half, 5 points. Went nuts in the second half. 30 points after halftime, 23 of his 35 in the, th- in the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, he, he, uh, he was on the court to begin the quarter. Uh, they're not, they're, Terry Stotts has moved more and further and further away from the play Damon CJ all their minutes together started staggering them a little bit more so CJ started that fourth quarter with Dame on the bench and CJ made his first seven shots in his first four threes and what was a one point game the Blazers led by one at the end of the third turned into a beatdown with three and a half minutes left the game was over because CJ could not miss he went bonkers that's a good win it's a good win when when CJ's had a lot of these kind of games um, where when he goes off, he just really, really goes off. He has these sort of hyper-efficient moments. Um, but he took this game over. Uh, he, he was hitting step-backs. He hit a little floater. He hit a three-stepping behind a screen. He hit a three off the catch-and-shoot. And then when he had hit four threes and the defense was really keyed in on him, he got Pat Bev off his feet, drew a foul and a three-point shot and hit three free throws. I mean, he was just so, so, so good. And it got me thinking. Uh, early in his career, I would compare C.J. McCollum to Lou Williams, or I would say like a good comp for C.J. was Lou Williams, um, which was funny because they were guarding each other, and at least like the beginning of the fourth quarter when they were trading buckets, uh, it was sort of like Lou Williams and younger Ohio Lou Williams going at it. Uh, but but I think, and I think early on in C.J.'s career, that was kind of a compliment to say like, oh, he could be Lou Williams. He could be one of the best six men in the league. He could be like literally the greatest bench score in the history of the NBA or the most prolific bench score in the history of the NBA. That was like a compliment at one point. 
And then CJ had that breakout season when he won Most Improved Player, which is by far his best his best year he's ever been. Is that fifteen sixteen season? But uh, then it was kind of an insult to call him Lou Williams because he's like a borderline all star. So then, then like comparing him to Lou Williams, which I don't think CJ particularly cared for, um, particularly when he was playing that well. Uh, you know, he saw himself as like a James Harden, DeMar DeRozan comp, not like Lou Williams, which is fair. It's hard to be good in the NBA if you're not wildly confident. CJ certainly has that going for him. But like, I think the the like tenor of how the sort of NBA intelligentsia and like the Basketball dorks like you and I, if you're listening to this, you're a basketball dork. Sorry to spoil it for you. But have like the way we think about Lou Will now is like really positive. Like he's just like he gets buckets. He comes off the bench. He's been doing it forever. We appreciate him. You know, 05 draft dude's been in the league for 13 years, 14 years. So now it's like not an insult to compare CJ to Lou Will. It's come full circle. Now it's a compliment again. One other. Um, observation from this game that in the fourth quarter, particularly in the first half of the fourth quarter, Ennis Cantor played really well offensively. He kind of like had a very Ennis Cantor game. He had 14 and nine and three dimes off the bench in 20 minutes. Five of his nine rebounds were offensive. Like he does what he does. Like he's, he's, if nothing else, he knows what he's good at and he goes and does it. But um, early in this fourth quarter, he was just getting hunted in pick and rolls. And, uh, we saw a little bit of Zach Collins sort of in the regular rotation tonight. Uh, he hasn't looked great since since the Cantor edition. I think playing really irregular minutes and not knowing if he's going to play or not has kind of thrown off Zach's rhythm. He struggled a little bit overall this whole year, but I'm, it, particularly over the last two and a half weeks or whatever with Cantor, he just hasn't looked right to me. Um, he's just been inconsistent, dropping, dropping rebounds, committing weird turnovers, um, not finishing inside, all the sort of rhythm things that, that would concern you. But Cantor just got hunted in pick and rolls, which makes me think that there is a future. I've said this before, and this game didn't make me feel any different. There is a future when they have to find Zach Collins and say, hey, bud, we need you to play some defense because Ennis can't. I didn't mean to say Ennis can't. Sorry, guys. That was like a, getting too close to a pun. But you know what I'm saying. He struggles, and, and those struggles were definitely on display. This was a good win. Uh, and I want to talk about sort of what it means uh, for the NBA standings and for the playoff race because the, the Clippers had climbed all the way up to sixth after winning five in a row coming in this game. So we get back in the third segment. We'll talk about NBA playoff standings with now – 15 games left in the Blazers season. All right, guys. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke and with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? Will the University of North Carolina play in its third national title game in four years? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. My bookie has been in the business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. 
Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with my bookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off or 50% sign up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right. So the Blazers beat the Clippers tonight. That loss drops the Clippers, who had won five in a row, to seventh because the Spurs. Uh, who you may recall employ LaMarcus Aldridge, who wants to come back to the Blazers, have won six in a row. They're a half game ahead of the Clippers in six. The Jazz are are still in eighth. I don't think there's going to be much of a race for that eighth seed anymore, guys. I think the eight teams who are in the West right now, Golden State, Denver, Houston, Oklahoma City, Portland, San Antonio, the Los Angeles Clippers in Utah, I think them dudes are the people who are going to be playing in April. Some of them in May, one of them in June. The Warriors. Sorry for the spoilers. They don't get along, but they're still going to win the title. Then they're going to break up. But uh, this win for the Blazers, who have now won two straight and get... uh, (laughs) They're talking about this on the Blazers broadcast. I knew this um, just from talking to the guys when I was around them this week when they were briefly... In, uh, in Portland at home that I knew they were staying over in, uh, in L.A. But they were talking about this broadcast and Kevin Calabro was talking about how he's going to go surfing. So if you're in Southern California and you see my dude KC surfing, say hello to him. But uh, that's an important win because the Blazers keep pace with the Thunder. They're, they're both 41-26. and 26. The Rockets, who just refuse to lose, they won nine in a row. They're in third. But uh, my dude Timmy from Blazers Edge pointed this out on Twitter while I was prepping for this podcast, and so I want to give him his due. There's basically three tiers of teams in the Western Conference right now. There's the top two seeds, the Warriors and Nuggets, separated by one game. The Nuggets, a uh, game back, the Warriors. Then there's 3-4-5, Houston, OKC, Portland. They're all separated by one game. And Houston is two and a half behind the Nuggets, hence the tier. Uh, and then two and a half behind Portland and OKC, who are 4-5 right now, is San Antonio, L- the Clippers, and the Jazz. And they're separated by one game. So basically those three tiers over the final four weeks of the season, four and a half weeks of the season, are going to be where I think the movement is going to be. I think mostly, um, unless the Spurs just keep on winning forever, um, I think mostly the movement we'll see is in those tiers. Is the Nuggets and Warriors maybe swapping one and two? I think the Warriors are going to end up going away, winning that. They've they've lost uh, six of ten. They're going to get right at some point. Or maybe they won't because they just don't care about the regular season. But I think they will, and they're going to finish, uh, finish first. But I think Houston, OKC, and uh, and Portland, they, those three teams are going to be flip-flopping in that 3-4-5 a little bit. Uh, I, I feel pretty confident that Houston's going to end up third, but they've also won nine in a row, and it's just like when you watch a team win nine straight games, you always feel like they're never going to lose. Uh, they will probably at some point, and they're only a game up on the Thunder and the Blazers right now. So it could happen, you know, if they lose on a night when the Blazers win or the Thunder win, all of a sudden flip-flop again. And I think those Spurs, Clippers, and Jazz are going to flip-flop a little bit. Jazz have lost two straight. Um, 
they're struggling a little bit. Clippers were red hot coming into this game. It just, you know, they caught a good Blazer team the second night of a back-to-back. And like I said, the Spurs just can't lose six in a row. I think that Spurs game on Saturday the Blazers play. The next game they play is New Orleans. After they get a day off in Los Angeles, I was trying to tell you that, but I got caught on a tangent thinking about Kevin Calabro surfing. That's just the uh, price of admission here, guys. But um, I think after the Blazers play that Pelicans game on Friday, that's going to be a big one. Uh, Pelicans have lost four in a row. They just like play Anthony Davis for 20 minutes every night. Drew Holiday's hurt, and they're truly a bizarre franchise at this point. Uh, I think that's a game the Blazers really, really should win. Pelicans are bad. Um, even if they're good players play sometimes, or some minutes, they're, they're still bad. But that Spurs game's really big. They could bury the Spurs. That that would be it. They, they could really bury the Spurs and just sort of not have to really look. The Blazers could really not have to look behind them. Even if they lose, I don't think they're in, and then tr- in danger of falling into that 6-7-8 range. But uh, a win Saturday to close out the road trip, second night of a back-to-back in AT&T where the Spurs are 26-7. and Just so, so, so good. The best home record in the Western Conference. Maybe the best home record in the NBA. Let me look. The best home record in the NBA, y'all. It's the best home team in the league. The year San Antonio Spurs, led by future Blazer and past Blazer LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that's a really big game. Uh, But we'll have to save that for the pod that comes out Monday morning. Because that's how the time works. But uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. You can find this podcast. If you found this podcast, you know where to find it. But if your friends are looking for it, please tell them about it. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. You're looking for us? Just type in Lockdown Blazers. You can find us. Um, I haven't asked for a five-star review in a while. If you find it in your heart, hit up Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys listening. I will talk to you later this week when the Blazers head into a tough back-to-back against New Orleans and San Antonio. Appreciate y'all. Peace.